So imagine you're happily presenting away. It could be a sales presentation or it could be a presentation to your executives or to your peers or your team, or it could even be a keynote address at a conference. And suddenly you feel the audience kind of going cold or losing interest. Maybe they slump back in their seats. Maybe some start checking their phones. So what happened? What can turn an audience kind of against you like that or make them lose their interest? Well, it's happened to me. It's happened to nearly anyone who's made a presentation. And often it's because you said something that causes your audience to perceive a risk, even if only subconsciously. Now, this subconscious perception of risk is an important and manageable contributor to objections of all kinds. You're familiar with sales objections, but also it can underline this sort of diminution of attention when you're speaking. And if you don't do or say something to relieve the perception of risk, you may lose them for the rest of the presentation. Now, they may not even know what happened. They might just have a little feeling of, hmm, he just lost me there, a message that's coming to them from their subconscious. Or the subconscious might be saying even worse things about you. And so what are these risks that I'm talking about that the subconscious is perceiving? Well, it could be he doesn't understand me or he doesn't understand my situation. Their product doesn't do X and I really need X. They don't have any customers like us, so I don't think their solution will actually work for us. Maybe something like, that's going to put my job at risk. Hi, this is Nels Davis, and you're listening to episode number 61 of All the Responsibility, None of the Authority, a podcast for product managers, product marketers, everyone trying to get products successfully to market. I've been pulling together a bunch of material on go-to-market and sales enablement for an ebook that I hope to have out in the next few weeks, The Secret Product Manager's Guide to Go-to-Market. And as a result, I have all these go-to-market-related topics whirling around in my head. And in the next few episodes, I'll be sharing them on the podcast as well. So I've covered some of these topics already. I have two episodes, for example, about if sales isn't making quota, it's your fault. And I have some episodes about storytelling, which is a key component of marketing and sales. And you'll hear me talking a little bit about how to use stories to handle this perception of risk in this episode. Now, I'll put links to all these existing episodes in the show notes at alltheresponsibility.com slash 61. I mentioned customer stories a lot in this episode. And if you'd like to download my cheat sheet and template for creating better customer stories, you can do that at alltheresponsibility.com slash stories, and you'll find a lot of useful information and tips on how to create the types of customer stories that are really good for doing objection handling and reducing the perception of risk as I talk about in this episode. Go-to-market is really a complex and kind of many-faceted activity. And not only are there interesting cross-cutting interactions across the organization in the process, but there's a lot of interesting through lines from one end of the product management process itself, from finding and validating market problems, as I describe in what I call the secret product management framework, all the way to go-to-market. Now, in this episode, I'm going to talk about a tool that I think technologists like us i.e. those of us who kind of like technology for its own sake, we're kind of technophiles, you might say, we often don't give enough credence to the topic of risk reduction or really reducing the perception of risk on the part of the prospect. And that's done to a large degree by a technique called pre-handling objections. Now, we have to bring all of our product knowledge and tools to bear when we're pre-handling objections or, even more importantly, 
preparing our sales and marketing teams to do that pre-handling of objections. This is really a simplified version of buyer psychology, the idea of the subconscious perception of risk, but it's really very useful even just as a mental model. And of course, it does actually have some basis in psychology. So it's not the only thing you need to do while selling this idea of pre-handling objections, but it's really a big one and it can go a long way to keeping the sales process going forward. Now I'm gonna talk about how you do it, how the perception of risk arises, why it arises even if no one is saying anything about it. Essentially what happens is we have this subconscious and its big job, one of its big jobs, is to keep us from being eaten by a lion, metaphorically speaking. It's looking out for problems and it's trying to ignore stuff that's not a problem or actually trying to keep the brain from even being impacted by things that aren't problems. It's really looking for things to worry about. And the problem is that the subconscious is very sensitive and it's not actually that accurate. And it can interpret kind of any little thing as a problem. For example, maybe you have a spelling error on a slide. Now the subconscious might immediately interpret that as danger. Now, spelling errors aren't really that dangerous. But the subconscious kind of creates this whole story instantaneously along the lines of, well, this person doesn't know enough to spell correctly. How can I trust him or her to solve my real problems? Now, this is a legitimate thing that your subconscious does. It does this kind of thing. Now, in some sense, your subconscious will grasp at straws to protect you. I mean, it looks for the tiniest little indicators of danger. You can imagine when we lived out in the bush, the merest snap of a twig might say to the subconscious, oh, that's danger. We better run now. We'll go ask questions later. So you can think of an objection to bring this back down into the world of sales as a question that's voiced or unvoiced from the prospect that indicates there's some perception of risk. So for example, the first thing a prospect is going to be thinking when you first reach out to them, if you're doing sales, is who is this person? What does this person want from me? What does this person have for me? And is this person going to be wasting my time? And what I mean is the objections start from the first contact with the prospect. They really start from the first marketing message that reaches the prospect because the prospect is going to have those same questions about a marketing message. What are you going to do about these? Well, one thing you can do is to be well-groomed, and I mean that in a highly general sense. You personally should be well-groomed. You need to be well-spoken. You need to appear welcoming and open. And these are all things that, again, set the subconscious a little bit at ease so you don't appear dangerous. Now, your presentation, if you're using one, should also be well-groomed. So no spelling errors, for example. Little nits like alignment and capitalization should be consistent. Those, don't, those things don't bother everybody, but they bother some people a lot, including me. But this kind of grooming only goes so far. A prospect will like you better, and this is often, again, a subconscious reaction, if you reduce their fears. So remember that this is happening below the level of consciousness. If the prospect associates a feeling of risk with you, he or she will not trust you and probably will not like you. If you mitigate that feeling of risk, then the prospect's subconscious might fully flip to, this person is taking care of me, therefore I trust and like them. So what you want to do is take care of them. Now there's two more important ways to put the subconscious at ease. One of them is to show that you care and understand about the person by anticipating their needs and concerns. And the other is to use stories about other people to pitch your product. I've talked in multiple podcasts about using stories, and I'll actually talk a little bit more about using stories in this episode, because I talk about stories all the time. But this will mostly be in the context of item one, showing that you care about and understand the person by anticipating their needs and concerns. I'm talking about these objections or the questions about risk 
arising in the context of a sales engagement, but it really applies to any situation where you're trying to communicate about an idea or sell a concept or a product. You know, even when you're just giving a status report about your project, the audience is likely to have some objections. That is, they're likely to perceive some risks, and those perceptions, even if they aren't voiced, are objections. They're a way for the person to reject your ideas, your facts, your information, whatever you're trying to communicate, if you don't handle them. So let's talk about what pre-handling the objections really means. It means knowing in advance what is going to cause the prospect to perceive a potential risk and to show why that risk either isn't worth worrying about or doesn't really exist. Now, there's different ways to do it, and we'll talk about this later. So part of go-to-market, though, is enabling the sales organization, and indeed the marketing organization, to pre-handle objections effectively without you even being there. The reason I mention that is because a lot of the objections that are going to be coming up, a lot of the perceptions of risk, are related to things that we know as product managers because we went and did market discovery and because we've talked to lots of customers. And so we need to communicate those to the people that actually go out and talk to prospects, which is the salespeople, and the people that try to get the prospects into our sales funnel, which is, of course, the marketing team. So let's think briefly, just to drill down a little bit more on that, what happens between somebody out in the market becoming a lead for us and then eventually becoming a customer. I'm going to talk about an enterprise software-style sales process, but roughly the same steps occur in any sales process. They might not all include the same people. Some steps might be automated. Sometimes a web page stands in for a salesperson. But in general, in enterprise sales, it goes something along these lines. So a person sees an ad or some other marketing material. It piques his or her interest, and they respond in some way. Now, we might also be reaching out to those people, but it's the same idea, right? We've, we've, we're trying to touch them with an ad or with a call or something like that. They enter our sales funnel and become a lead. Now, obviously, not everybody who sees our ad becomes a lead. This is a funnel, so there's a certain number of people who come in at the top and they attrit out through the course of the process. So once we have a lead, the salesperson does an initial qualifying and discovery call with the lead to determine if they're really a good match for our product to learn some things about them that we can use later on in the sales process and so on. Now, if that lead is qualified, they become a prospect, and the salesperson then starts the sales process in earnest. And this may actually be multiple steps. Eventually, if that lead is then going to become a customer, there's a, some kind of a negotiation that happens, the prospect agrees to buy, and then the final step is the prospect becomes a customer. Now, there's things that happen after that once they become a customer, but that's really the sales process. Reduction of perceived risk or pre-handling objections is really critical in all of these steps. So in the initial steps, we're going to be reducing the perception that the salesperson is just wasting the prospect's time, for example. How do we do that? By showing that we understand the prospect's situation, their big problem, and that we've successfully solved this problem for other customers who are similar to them. Now, during the qualifying and discovery conversations, the salesperson is going to ask intelligent questions about the prospect's situation and the challenges they're facing. The goal is for the prospect to feel like they're in good hands with us. In addition, the salespeople is often going to use snippets of customer success stories to show how we've solved similar problems before for people just like them. As the sales process goes along, the perception of risk is going to change. Especially if we're talking enterprise software like what I work on, the actual monetary cost of the solution is likely to be very high, and the cost of failure is even higher, both from the standpoint of the money and maybe from the standpoint of the person's job. So their perception of risk is going to be very, very high, and it has additional components besides just cost. They're worried, of course, that the product won't actually work. 
We've been telling them it'll work. We've been giving them customer stories. But of course, they're still worried. The more stories that we can tell that they can identify with and that are about people like them, the lower that perception of risk is going to be. They're also worried that the product will be too expensive or that it'll be very difficult to implement, that they won't actually be able to make it work, even if it could work, that it won't work in their instance. So that's the thing we have to tell stories about as well. And then, of course, they're also thinking, well, there's other things that I could spend this money on. Maybe the other things are a better thing for me to buy than solving this particular problem. And I'm not talking about competitors in this case. I'm talking about solving a completely different problem altogether with that same money. So that's kind of opportunity cost. Now, I talk about all these perceptions of risk in my episodes on the value inequality, which you can check out, and I'll put the links to those in the show notes. Just to be clear, perception of risk is not the only thing keeping the prospect from buying. There might be other solutions that are also adequate to the problem. In other words, there might be competitors that might also solve the problem. The prospect might not like you or your company, or they might have someone they like better at the other company, right? Those are sort of outside the area of objection handling. The prospect's boss might have a recommendation, and that can carry a lot of weight, and it might be for some other product. They might have a friend who chose a different solution and were really happy. Or the prospect might just be contrary, or they legitimately might have another problem that they need to solve with the same money. Now, there's lots of ways for the sales process to go off the rails, is what I'm trying to say here. But again, one of your best tools is going to be reducing the perception of risk, and that can even help with some of these other problems. And of course, while the salesperson is working on reducing the perception of risks about our product, part of their job is also to increase the perception of risk for the other product. And of course, the other salespeople that are in the deal from our competitors are trying to do the same thing about us. So even here, though, you have to be careful. And again, it's a great way to use a customer story in the context of, oh, this, we have a, this customer that tried that other thing, and it didn't work for them, and then they bought our thing, and it was great. Right? That's how you would use a customer story there. So let's talk a little bit more about how to do this. As I mentioned, good persuaders and good salespeople know what the objections will be in advance. And then instead of waiting for them to come up via questions or not come up, which often happens, and just remain in people's heads, they address these head on. So here's a quick example, not actually from a sales engagement because I'm not actually a salesperson, but from an executive presentation I was giving. So I was demoing the latest version of a new product that was still in development because I'd practiced my demo Actually, that's another key persuasion tip to practice. I knew what didn't work well and where the errant error messages might appear. So before I even started the demo, I mentioned that there were known issues that were being addressed as we spoke. And when I got to that point in the demo, I reiterated that as well as showing the workaround. And by doing this, I avoided later questions and, of course, the perception of risk about all the bugs and also ensured that the audience knew completely where we were in the development process and what we were doing to finish up. There could have been a lot of questions raised during that process if I hadn't pre-handled the issues when I got started. I knew in advance what was going to cause perception of risks, and I addressed them proactively. And that presentation went over very well, and it kind of helped me establish a reputation in the company as a trustworthy colleague who got things done and didn't try to blow smoke. The question you should be asking yourself right now, your objection, if you will, is, okay, how am I supposed to know what the objections will be? Well, you've probably heard that saying, that a good lawyer already knows the answers to every question he or she asks in court during a trial. And just like a lawyer going into court, when you or one of the salespeople you're enabling goes into a sales engagement, they need to know as much as possible about what the prospect is going to be worried about and how to respond or interpret whatever answers they get to their questions. 
a big part of this preparation actually comes from the market discovery activities you did even before you started to build the solution. During market discovery, you're in problem space, talking with prospects about their problems, the ones your product eventually solves, and their experience of those problems, how they've tried to solve the problems in the past and failed, how the problems are impacting the business, and how they're impacting their personal lives. Now, because of their experience, one of the prospect's biggest worries is that your product is just going to be another failed solution that promises a lot and delivers a little. You know going in that that's what the prospects are going to be worried about. You know the question is in the subconscious brain of the prospect, so you answer it before they even ask. And then their subconscious brain says, oh, that guy's taking care of me. When you're doing your practicing or when you're prepping the material for the sales organization, you want to listen to your own internal voice as well. As I work on the presentations that I'm either creating for somebody else or that I'm going to present, I often find myself thinking, oh, I hope they accept this point, or maybe if I rush past this, no one will notice. And of course, those are signs of things that I need to pre-handle. You know, or to give myself credit, I will often notice that, oh, there's a lot of questions open in this section. I better do something about this. And these are important warning signs. If you've ever presented before, you already know this. The questions you don't want them to ask are the ones they'll ask. Now, of course, sometimes they don't ask those questions. They just start ignoring you because you didn't answer them. So you want to do yourself a favor and prepare and present those answers. Now, you can also ask, of course, other people on the team. Ask the salespeople as they're going through what you're creating for them to help expose questions that are unanswered. Now, the other thing, of course, as you give this presentation or as your salespeople give the presentation, you're going to start to notice places where problems arise and you're gonna to start to address those in new versions because it's not something you sort of do once, you do it over and over again. So now that you know what the objections are gonna be, or at least some of them, what do you do? Well, you already know the answers to a lot of the objections because you found them in your market discovery or you just happen to know them and you may even have customer stories. And so that's awesome. But there's some for which you won't know the answer and so you need to come up with answers to some of these. As a product manager, you tend to know all these answers in advance or you tend to know many of them. But the poor salesperson, they don't know these answers. And so they're gonna either not be able to pre-handle the objection at all or if the question does happen to come up, again, it doesn't happen all the time, they're going to give some answer that may not be correct. And that's actually pretty dangerous as well. So it's really part of the go-to-market process to make sure that they are enabled to answer these questions well. Now, of course, this isn't just a one-shot thing. As I mentioned, you're going to be continuing to improve this. Now, customer stories are a great way to handle these kinds of objections and to reduce this perception of risk. You know, many of them are in the form of, your competitor has feature X and we need feature X. Now, if you have successful customers, and clearly they've managed without feature X, how did they do that? Ideally, you can get them to say in their own words that you'll use later in these sales situations, why feature X maybe isn't that important. Knowing that that's a common question, you're going to handle it proactively in the course of the presentation. So, for example, you might have an open issues or risks slide. That sets the audience's mind at ease because they know in advance you're thinking about the things that they are probably thinking about, shows that you've done your homework. You might list the objections on the slide and then talk through them. Or more likely, particularly in a sales situation, you're going to handle these objections in the stream of the presentation. You're not going to put them all in a single slide or in a single section. You're going to handle them in context. Here are all the reasons that we think you are going to be really successful with this product. You might have an open question about feature X, but let me tell you a little story about a customer who had that same concern and they find that they don't miss feature X at all. A few years ago, I read a great article by James Altucher about Eminem's rap battle in the movie 8 Mile. And if you're familiar with that movie or not, Eminem, of course, is a rapper. He's a white rapper. 
He lives in Detroit, which of course is a majority black city, and he became one of the top rappers in the city, even though he was white. The movie was about that. This article that James Altucher wrote is about how Eminem's rap in this scene is kind of an MBA in marketing all by itself. It's not very long, but there's a lot of stuff to learn. And his point number eight, so he has this long list of points about all the different things you can learn. His point number eight is about pre-handling objections. So I'll give a link to the article and to the clip. It's just kind of amazing, and it totally aligns with this topic that I'm talking about today in the podcast. So I already gave a couple of examples of using stories to pre-handle the objections. It's one of the best ways to reduce their perception of risk because stories, of course, have this great power on the brain. And, of course, people like to hear about people like themselves, and your stories are going to be about people like them. Here's a few other ways that you can use customer stories, and this is assuming you have them, but as you have a few successful customers, you're going to start to get these stories. First of all, you can show that you understand the prospect's pain, both in terms of the business challenges and the personal challenges. These stories also are going to guide you in asking questions about the prospect's situation, both business and personal, and they're going to give you the right words to talk about your solution in terms the prospect will resonate with. Of course, part of the point of these stories is to show that your product can solve the prospect's pain, to show that the product is superior to the alternatives, to show that maybe one or more of the alternatives, in particular your competitors, won't work for the prospect because you had a customer that tried them and they failed. You can also use stories to show that a missing feature, like one that a competitor has, will not keep the prospect from realizing value. You can use the stories to illustrate how much value your product will deliver for the prospect and to show that your customers not only have improved business outcomes, but improved personal outcomes as well. Those are some of the powers of customer success stories. That's nine ways customer success stories can be used in the sales process to help reduce the prospect's perception of risk and to build their trust in you and your solution. Now, in sales situations, there are also likely to be objections that come up that you haven't anticipated and therefore you can't prehandle. So there's basically two scenarios for the salesperson on how to do that. They can answer effectively based on what they actually know about the product, and in particular on what they know about how a particular customer achieves success. Now, this is a good reason to have the salespeople really familiar with customers and their stories, because even if you maybe haven't prepared an answer in advance, if they're familiar with how customers achieve success, then they may be able to handle those objections without having gotten training on it. The other alternative is that they don't know the answer, and they don't have a customer success story to, re to rely on. And in that case, really the best answer is, you know, that's a good question. I don't know the answer. I will do some research for you and get back to you right away. If necessary, I'll bring a product manager in. That's a good answer. This is a sort of quick overview, I'm not sure how quick it was, of the need to prehandle objections and some steps you can take to be prepared for these objections ahead of time, both things that you can apply to your own types of presentations, like executive presentations, and also to sales presentations and helping to prep the marketing and sales organizations for talking to prospects. You know, the best presenters and persuaders, they know what questions are going to come up, they know the answers, and they usually answer before they're asked, and ideally they answer in the form of a story about a customer. So I'd really love to hear how this idea of pre-handling objections and reducing the prospect's perception of risk resonates for you. Whether you use some of these techniques or have other techniques for doing that, you can easily leave a comment on the show notes. You can drop me an email anytime. The website is alltheresponsibility.com and the show notes are at alltheresponsibility.com slash 61. I'll put links to all the resources that I mentioned, including the M&M clip and the James Altucher article 
and the other podcast episodes that I mentioned, and a few other articles I have that are related to this into the show notes. You can access those all there. I'd love to get your feedback, as I say, on this episode. And of course, if you like this episode, be great if you could click the like button on your podcast player. On the Overcast player, that's a little star button next to the episode. That would be great. I'll be doing a bunch more episodes about go-to-market. And as I say, I will soon have a new go-to-market ebook available. And I'll let you know during the, in the podcast when that's available. And until the next episode, this is Nels Davis saying bye-bye. We have ignition.